Hey, it's John from Level the Playing Field. Don't forget to follow us on our social media platforms. We're on TikTok at LPF Podcast, Instagram at LPF Podcast, and Twitter at LPF Podcast 86. And while you're at it, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on any platform that you're listening to our podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Level the Playing Field. I'm Dave, and I'm here again with John. And so we're going to start by going to John with our monthly customer service report. Yeah, so those of you who have listened to us in the past, you'll know that one of my personal favorite things to do is to deal with customer service representatives, especially for internet, telephone, television providers. And so basically... They strike again. Um, the numerous phone calls, repeating myself numerous times to different people. Um, basically, I'm making this a, a pseudo grievance is what I'm essentially doing. And so, yeah, we were without reliable internet or TV service from Tuesday of last week up until Saturday. And we did all the troubleshooting things they suggest. We went did the all the recommendations that the virtual assistant has, um, knowing full well that this is beyond that scope. Um, but we know that if we don't do those things, that's the first thing that they're going to suggest on the phone. And so basically, like, oh, we have lots of availability. I'm like, oh, it sounds amazing. When are these availabilities? 8 to 12, 8 to 12, 8 to 12. I'm like, hey, man, like, I'm working. Like, that's not good. Oh, the next availability we have is, um, Friday afternoon, five to nine. So evening. Yes. Mother's day weekend. Yes. All right. So we move things around. Uh, Lindsay's like, I can stay home for this. We have some other stuff I had to take care of. I get a call at seven on my way back from the things that I was doing. And it's like, Oh yeah. Our technician says that they're, uh, just kind of stuck where they're at. They're not coming. Oh, Okay. When's the next availability? Well, I can assure you that you'll be the first appointment tomorrow morning. What's that? Eight o'clock. Okay. All right. Thanks for letting me know. I'm up with Evelyn Saturday morning. Eight o'clock rolls around. 8.30 rolls around. Nine o'clock rolls around. 9.30. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to call. I'm just going to call again because I love to call and talk to these people and give them the same story even though i know they have a record of these appointments i gotta still tell them the story because they like stories and i love telling the story oh well it uh yeah you're in the 8 to 12 window like nah man that's not what was said it was said first appointment i don't know why they'd say that to you well because that's what they said oh we'll have to go back and listen to the recordings i'm like well what are you going to do here like we've now had to rearrange another day like, and it's Mother's Day weekend, like I said before, and we've been without service since Tuesday. I'm like, you're, this is the best service in Canada, coast to coast, and you can't, you can't get this sorted out? Well, I don't know what to tell you. Tell me you're going to do better than this. Well, I don't know what's better here. I don't know what you're looking for. I'm like, 
I'm looking for so some sort of compensation. Well, if you just want financial compensation, then like you, we shouldn't be talking. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? I'm like, isn't your job to make the situation better? At what instance in this conversation have you attempted to make this better? Well, I I told you that this is the the window of time that your your appointment is scheduled. I'm like that is not what was said to me. Well, I'm I apologize for you being misinformed. Slightly misinformed was the wording. I'm like this is not slight. This is just misinformed, completely misinformed. And uh, I'm like I'm just confused about why your entry to this conversation was that like you can do nothing for me. Like, where in your script does it say that you can do nothing for me? And then I went, like, just full on, like, I'm going to be annoying now. I'm like, give me your name. Give me your employee number. Give me your supervisor's name. Give me your supervisor's number. And uh, I'm like, and I want the call about feedback. And I want the email about feedback about how this has gone. It was like, well, it's at random. So, like, you might not even be asked about how I did. I'm like, no, no. There's a space that exists in your company for me to comment specifically about specific employees. And I'm going to make it clear that I'm going to be speaking about you and how poorly you did today. And then his, his tune changed a bit and was like, Oh, well, like according to procedure, this is how it goes. And like his voice changed the way he was communicating. And I'm like, it's too late for you, my guy. I'm like, this is over for you. Like, and I'm going to make sure that I am going to get the compensation that I deserve because while you may think that this is just the first time I've called, it is not in fact the first time I called. And the fact that I'm going to have to call back about compensation is already super annoying. And so the fix for all this, it got fixed is they've run a cable from my neighbors set up across up the east trough of their house, across roofs to mine down to my box. That's the fix. So, um, yeah, it's temporary, obviously, because you can't have that forever. And I'm super glad that all these customer service reps are just so ill-equipped to deal with each other. Because this would not have happened if one of them was actually good about talking about what can actually happen. And then the second person, after like other five calls I made, was like, oh, there's nothing I can do for you. Okay, then get me somebody who can. Like that was the easiest thing you could have done. And so, yeah, here I am. That's just my entry point. I hate making these calls. I quite often am the person making the calls in my household because Lindsay also hates making these calls and then I just eat it. And so I hate it with a passion and so annoyed by this. And I said it several times that I'm just, I was like, I'm really annoyed and I'm really angry and I'm really frustrated. And I'm doing my very best to not treat people really unkindly right now. But I'm really like I'm willing to cuss you out. I'm willing to say really mean things to you. But I'm restraining myself because I know I'm not going to get what I need. And I want the recording to hear how frustrated I am with the ridiculous nature that your company is taking with solving these problems. And that's uh, that's my entry point to today. I'm fired up. I love that you like threatened him. You're like, I could cuss you out, but I'm not going to. That's very fun. That's exactly the way I would think you would handle that. Well, because I know that won't achieve anything for myself. It make you feel better. 
it made me feel better when I'm like, give me your employee number and give me your supervisor's employee number. And then he started talking to me way differently. And then I said to him in that same part, I'm like, I find it really interesting that you're now speaking to me in a very different way than when you first answered this call. And then there was just silence on that end. And I'm like, and I know this is being recorded. And uh, he did not then remind me that this is being recorded for quality assurance and all the things that they say before they start talking. So thanks, Kevin. <laughs> How are you, Dave? I'm okay. I actually I had a slightly annoying customer service encounter today too because um, a, f- a belated like mother or birthday gift for Alicia, I bought her. Uh, this chair from Home Depot, and <clears throat> we went yesterday to get it. Well, we didn't want to stay for something else, and then saw it, and we we're like, "Hey, like it's here, it's on sale, we'll get it." But where it was located in the store was unreachable by anybody they had at the store. Which, and having worked in a similar store to that in the past, I understand only certain people have licenses for these machines. Like Blake, all that was per- like Blake. Yeah. You, you needed Blake. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and actually, and like when I worked at the store, because I worked in the night crew, I ended up getting trained on all the machines. So when I went back to days, I was that guy getting dragged around the whole store. Hey, I need this. Anyways, so none of that was an issue. I understood all that. But today, so we ordered it for to get picked or whatever, right? And then I had to go back today to get it. I get a call today from Home Depot. Oh, hey, um... We ran out of stock on the item that you bought and paid for yesterday. Like, didn't just, like, put in a, hey, I'll come and, like, I paid for it. I'm like, that's mine. And they're like, oh, yeah, we ran out of stock. Uh, all, we have, all we have left is the display model. So, uh, is that going to be okay? I was like, what are you talking about? I was there yesterday. You had three. Like, yeah, well, we're out of stock now. I was like, well, that Either it like can't be true or is unacceptable because that's why I paid. That's why I didn't just be like, oh, yeah, I'll take care of it tomorrow. I paid to make sure that one of those items that I saw on the shelf yesterday belonged to me. Right? And, uh, and she was like, oh, okay, uh, I'm going to look into it. I'll get back to you. Ended up just being like, I guess it didn't get put into the computer properly or whatever. And, That's what they told you. And it was already staged or whatever whatever they call it. And someone must, and I guess they didn't put it in that it had been done. And someone went to go do it again, but the item wasn't there anymore. Whatever happened, I ended up getting a brand new one in the box sealed. Um, so I ended up happy, but I was for a minute I was like, I'm very angry. And then. And I probably are in the like very very short encounter that I had with her. I probably used a more aggressive tone than you did in your hour long conversation you had with that guy. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was it was a very slight uh, frustration compared to yours, I imagine. Yeah, and uh, but that's still annoying because like you actually saw the stock, and then for yeah. them to tell you that there's no stock, you're like. You're lying. Yeah. I know you're lying. When I was there, there was three yesterday. And two of them were up on the shelf. And I have to imagine the other one was a display, right? So I knew they had two yesterday. I saw them with my own eyes. And then she's like, oh, yeah, we ran out. A, this isn't an item I think that they sell 
like five of them a day. So it was weird that like we bought it yesterday at like 5 p.m. And by 10 a.m. the next day, it, they were all gone. You started a trend. Um, it was, yeah, it was just strange, but yeah. worked out fine. The good news for you is that you don't have to ha- make yet another phone call to customer service. Well, you don't have to because I'm... someone will monitor that phone call and see what happened. It just won't be as like well effective. In as the you interest of not not telling oh, plus my you want to get your entire life story. Yeah, I did end up speaking with loyalty after this, Sam, and Sam was like, "Oh, I'll call you back uh, between one or two Saturday." Because I said I'm out as of 3 p.m. on Saturday. I'm not reachable. Like I will not take a call. I'm like, nor should I have to. And he was like, yeah, I'll call you one or two. Guess who didn't call at 1 p.m. or 2 p.m.? It was Sam. Did he call at all? Uh, I got a call from someone different while I was out, unreachable. But I figured, hey, maybe it was a guy who's running the cable house to house, and he found a more permanent solution. It was not, in fact, that guy either. He's like, is this a good time? I'm like, no, it's not. Because I said I'm unreachable after three, and here you are calling during the middle of a dinner so thank you for reading the notes on the file and like oh we'll try again during the work week so one work day has gone by i've received zero phone calls so this is going to be real interesting because i also then got one of those text messages because i've been hot spotting to do my coursework and to watch the least playoff game when they got eliminated on my phone because I couldn't even cast to a TV because it's all Wi-Fi. And yeah, so then I got a text message being like, oh, you've reached the limit for like your your highest bandwidth. Um, now you're going to be throttled. And I'm not going to be throttled. Which normally would be a good thing. Yeah, you pay big bucks for that. But uh, yeah, I'm going to be like, hey, man, you're going to lift that cap on my data for my cell phone because I'm not waiting until June 1st. Because you guys suck so hard. And I'm looking forward to that conversation too. I was looking Did forward they to lift all it this or? No, because I'm, I'm not calling. I wasn't calling today. Oh. There's other things I had going on. Part of a prior conversation. Now I got to wait to talk to Sam again. Sam's the guy. I'm like, am I going to be handed off to another person? Because that's also annoying. Because I'm going to tell that person the story again. Or will I be working directly with you, Sam? No, no, sir. Uh, you'll be working directly with me. And the lie detector determined that was a lie. I understand that all of these places are exactly the same. And rationally, I do in my head. But I had the most horrific experience with Bell when Alicia got her first cell phone. So we're talking about like 100 years ago. but And it has soured me on Bell. Like ever since, aside from my like we've talked about in the past, my brand loyalty to Rogers with Sportsnet and whatever, um, yeah. So I just have this like thing in my head where Bell is the worst, and none of this. Yeah, it's cl- they're climbing the list right now. They're climbing but the I, list. I have right to now. imagine like you could be with any of them, and it's yeah, gonna be, you could it's have the, the same. same experience, but just for some reason, it's the Spider-Man meme. <laughs> they're all just pointing at each other, saying we're better than you, but they're not. They're all Spider-Man. They're all the same. It's awful. And you got to do the jump around. And I don't know if I'm willing to do the jump around. At this point, I think I'm willing to just say like goodbye 
to services period and be like i'm just gonna free dog they're just like raw dog the rest of my internet and uh television experience just go to what i'm doing now live in the gray area just completely be there Anyways, uh, that's the intro to our show. Are we ready to like jump into some of this other stuff here? Sure. All right. This might be the most interesting part, but sure. Yeah. So, uh, JJ Reddick, interviewed by the Raptors. That's official. He was interviewed. Uh, I forget. Was he interviewed or was he just talking? Uh, I feel like the headline I read was that he was interviewing with the Raptors. Okay. And so, JJ Reddick, former NBA player, now turned uh, NBA analyst for ESPN, He's quite often featured on First Take with Stephen A. Smith. He's on The Jump. He's on NBA Primetime. He's like on all this stuff. Um, He's really good at it. I think he does a great job just sort of breaking stuff down, explaining the, the technique, the formations, the transitions, why they're running the plays that they're running, who they, the first option was, who the third option was. I think all that's great. Um, Dave and I were chatting about this offline as well. And uh, I don't necessarily have a problem with him being a head coach. I just don't want to be the Raptors head coach yet. You don't want to be the test dummy. No, we don't want. I don't want the trial run. I want him to figure out all the stuff that he's going to do well or not well somewhere else. And he gets fired. And then he like reflects on that. And then he's better. And then we get J.J. Redick. I'm happy to have him. Just not now. Not his first time in the NBA. But then you don't end up with Steve Kerr, right? He was wildly successful his first time in it. Very similar player, similar like career. Yeah, he won more, but okay, like but that's sorry. victim of circumstance. JJ didn't play with Michael Jordan. Yeah, so. like so. He didn't get punched sucks in the face. Suck, JJ. He didn't get punched in the face as often either. Yeah, and he played with Tim Duncan too, like another like okay player. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I just I don't want that. I just. I, like I said, I don't have a problem with him at all. I think he's actually very smart about the NBA's basketball IQ. I think is very high. I'm just not ready to like give the keys to this guy. I want him to go mess around somewhere else. You know what I mean? Sell some wild oats, and then when he's ready to sell down long term, he can come back to me. So you want someone used up? <laughs> yeah, you know, I'll, I'll take a sloppy second here if we're gonna keep this analogy going. Yeah. Um, that's how I felt about it. And then I'll talk about some of the like other things going on with some recent coaching changes after. But what are your thoughts about JJ being a, a head coach? I would love it. Like I think he is incredibly intelligent and articulate and good at communicating all of the knowledge that he has. Um, he is very analytically driven, which I like. Um, I think that... I think that he would do really well, but I think he's one, like the type of player who wasn't the most athletically gifted and was forced to be very smart about how he played. Very and, technical as well. Right? So I think that lends to being a good coach. Um, but like the advantage that he has in my eyes over anybody else is that like I've heard him talk. Right. Everybody else, they have all these guys. I'm sure all of these guys are just as intelligent or similarly intelligent about basketball. It's just yeah. he's not. They're not on TV all the time to tell me about it. So that's I have a bias towards this guy. I've heard all the time, and he's very personable. <clears throat> and I think one thing is like 
the other, only other person I've ever heard talk is Adrian Griffin, who is up for this job, and he's not that good at communicating. Like that, I've heard people on TV say that it's one of his weaknesses that he needs to improve on, right? So there's a little bit of like you can be wildly intelligent and not know how to deliver that. Yeah, give that to anybody else, right? Right. So with Jade, so even in just looking at these two, like that's a big advantage for JJ over Adrian Griffin in this scenario. Right. Um, and so just quickly, I wanted to touch on the idea that. Um, Monty Williams has entered the chat as a potential hire for the Raptors because he was just fired from the Phoenix Suns. Um, what do you think about that? Guy's got a coach of the year under his belt. He's he's had success with teams that are up and coming, uh, like with the New Orleans Pelicans. He that's where he like earned his reputation before going to the Suns, working with uh, Anthony Davis at the time. And I think he, you know, I don't know if he got Zion as well, but definitely, had definitely had uh, Anthony Davis while they were ascending. he was there for ascending. four years and Zion's only been in the league like three, I think. Okay, so there you go. But Anthony Davis, while he was ascending and generating all of the, the hype around himself, what do you think about that as a potential coach? I think that it's a knock on him that he, that the Suns weren't more successful. Like they don't have much to complain about roster construction wise when it comes to the Suns. Yeah. And I would probably put a decent amount of blame on DeAndre Ayton being uninterested and not really improving at all in the early part of his career so far on him. On Monty Williams? Yeah, only because we haven't seen him with anybody else. Like, maybe he has four other coaches and he never gets any better and never right. gets more engaged in the game, and it's really just all about him. But for the little bit of information I have, where he has this young, wildly talented, very high draft pick, and he can't seem to get him to want yeah. to... Number one him, overall pick. Right? right? So you have videos of him just standing under... The, being the biggest guy in the court, standing under the basket. Those are really hard to watch. Watching other people go up for rebounds. Yeah, it's bad. And... I'd like to think that perhaps he doesn't have that skill set as a coach, but like developing younger players with like a younger core. And that's kind of like where we're at. But you know what that sounds like? An assistant coach. Sure. So if it were down to Monty Williams or JJ Redick, you're taking JJ? I think the potential of someone who hasn't had the opportunity to perform opportunity before might be higher than someone we've seen only be able to reach a certain level. Fair enough. But again, I, I guess like, and for me, I I'm thinking like an example would be like Budenholzer where like he reached a, a certain height with the Hawks and then like he tapered out and then he went to the Bucks and yes, he has Giannis. So like there is definitely some influence there. Like you have a generational player, but he won something there. So maybe this is what it's, it's going to take for Monty Williams. Um, for me, I know I talked about just the idea of like maybe not getting someone who's like so green. And I like the idea of someone who's established, has a good reputation, all those sorts of things as a coach. And for me, like Monty Williams fits the bill. So uh, I'd be interested to see if they actually pursue him. But there's still so many question marks about who's going to be a coach. What about Budenholzer? Yeah, I would be okay with that too. 
I think he's got a good track record. Messiah's uh, wanted him for a long time. Yeah, and like I, I'd be happy with that because while maybe he doesn't win as much as people think he should with the amount of success he's had regular season wise, like he's got a record of showing that like he takes teams that haven't been to that place and like moves them towards it. Yeah. Like the Hawks were a garbage fire before they, he got there. All those there. Hawks teams overachieved. And then they overachieved with him as the coach. Yeah. And then obviously that wore off. Like coaching style wears on you. Um, he went to the Bucks. He got them to be a perennial contender. And obviously getting bounced in the first round like that is never gonna gonna bode well. Um, I know that he has his own criticisms that um, perhaps um, he's not as adept at adjusting. He like he has a strategy and he sticks to it, um, or that he tinkers a lot and like he uses a regular season to just mess around a bunch and doesn't commit to anything. And then when it gets to the playoffs and there's time to sort of like have a set strategy because he's messed around so much during the regular season. People are criticizing him for maybe not deciding on something earlier, but you know what? Overall, that guy's very successful. So I have I let him have the keys to the team and take a run at it. So yeah, I would say that's more in line with the kind of coach that I would like to see the Raptors have is a Budenholzer or a Williams over like someone who's just getting their first sort of um, opportunity, but. That's not to say it's someone who's not getting the first opportunity wouldn't come and like blow the doors off of a team. I just think we've done that route so many times. Let's try like established guy. We never had that opportunity before, I don't think. Yeah. It is interesting because usually you and I'm I'm the same we both talk a lot about like all like in the hockey, for example, it's like the same thirty five coaches that get the job all the time and how that's stupid and now you're like, let's get the guy who's had seven opportunities before. Yeah, and I think I think it's more so that they bring the reputation of like a winning culture. Yeah, and I think they need that right now, where like somebody who's untested, and it's unfair for them because they are untested; they don't have that to show someone. But if you come in and go, look, take a look at what I've been able to do, that's a good selling point, I think. Versus like, hey, I hope to do this. Yeah, and the Raptors have never had <clears throat> like a bona fide like never. I got a big rep as a coach guy. I don't think have they ever since like Butch Carter have they had a guy who's even had a head coaching job before. Like Jade Toronto didn't, Sam Mitchell didn't, uh, or did he have him in Minnesota? I think he got one after. Like I think he was. In, I think like, Minnesota did like interim stuff. Like yeah. he wasn't hired to do it. He was just on staff and then got put in. Like Dwayne Casey didn't. Like Nurse didn't. So like for a long, long time, we've never <clears throat> we've been taking like a chance on the new guy. And so I think I I want an established guy, just one time yeah. at least to see if that will do something different. Um, and especially because like some of our players have encountered these guys, right? They've seen the other side of this. So um, we'll see what happens there. But we'll keep it in the basketball world. Our boy, uh, ja, ja Morant, man. Like, what's this guy doing? Like, it's so ridiculous that this is something that he's choosing to do. 
Look, is I don't even care if it if it's a real gun, it's obviously like not great. If it's a fake gun, it's still not great. The optics of this after being suspended, going and stepping away from the team, having all these statements made about how you got to be a better leader, and then that's like one of the first things you do in the offseason, like you're not making any sense here. No, he's He's just an incredibly, incredibly stupid individual, and I'm going to try very hard not to use that word that you don't like when I use, because uh, that's what he is. He's just... He's lacking the <clears throat> intelligence and the learning that he's supposed to have done from holding the gun so awkwardly in that first live video. At least he held it better this time. But, like... He's more gangster with it. Just, what are you doing? He's just... It makes no sense. Like, he... Why is he on Instagram live at all? Like, he's just, this is exactly why, like, I never, I never take, like, these public apologies or, like, this, oh, I've learned and grown, I've done, going to these clinics. All of this is just, like, it's like the safety paperwork I do at, at, at work. It's just to cover your ass, right? It's, it's not really stopping him from doing anything. It's like, you're not really changing your behavior. You're just giving us the perception that you actually care enough to change something. And then you're going to just go back when no one's looking and continue doing whatever you were doing anyways. Hold guns. Yeah. Like, why did... <clears throat> There's so many things we probably already said. You have an entourage. Let them all hold guns. Let them all be your fucking... Your enforcers who are gangsters and are shooting people if, you ha- if they have to or whatever. Like, There's no reason for you to have it except for you want to feel cool. With a gun in your hand. And how incredibly stupid do you have to be to wave it in front of a fucking camera again? In a car. Like, why? Like a moving You're listening vehicle. to music. You're not in a confrontation. You're not trying to, like, intimidate somebody. Like, if you're trying to... I could... If you felt threatened by somebody... And you thought the best way to get them off of you was to send them a threatening video of what you're going to use to stop them from doing whatever you don't like. You can almost, like, see the rationale. But, like, you're just listening to music in your car and your buddy throws up the gun sign with his hand. And you're like, oh, cool. And you pull the fucking gun out of your waistband. And you're like, let's do a couple desk pops. So he, the guy just desperately wants to relive Plaxico Burris' fucking life by pulling the gun out of his waistband and just, and not even like doing it, just showing it to the camera. Like, like that's like the part of like, of it for me too, is that like the fact that like you have it one, like keep it concealed during the video, man. Like just don't give anybody anything to talk about. And then you take it and then you make sure that you're looking at the camera while holding the gun. Yeah, like, he didn't catch you in the background holding a gun. Like, like, there's no denying that this wasn't purposeful. Like I was just, I, I was by act. Like there's no accidental here. No, it's so intentional and it's so stupid. I, so he's immediately suspended, and then the NBA is looking into it. He's gonna eat a bigger suspension. Like the fact that it was so soon after the first one, and he got those eight games. Like this is gonna be far worse for him and nobody's going to support this i wonder if well and then in a turning <clears throat> shocking turn of events the toronto raptors acquire john ja morant 
And then we're going to do a full 180 on this and talk about how great John Morant is. But until then, this guy's a big dum-dum. He has a very punchable face. It's just so brutal. The whole narrative around it, like the whole eight mile video and like parodying that he is like Papa Doc and that like he's just trying so hard to be hard when like he could just be like, yo, I'm this sick basketball player. Take a look at how much better I am at all these other people at basketball. And then look at all my friends who are all super hard and I have all of this. And what? What will you do? You cannot do anything to me. Like, why can't that be his flex? Why don't you take that desire to be, like, tough off the court and bring it on the court? Like, you're not, you're a pretty soft player on the court. So why don't you, like, people will be much more impressed with if you were, like, Charles Oakley with your basketball skills than you driving in a car holding a gun on camera yeah just just so many like dumb choices there and he's really just gonna like sour his nba career from this like has have you heard anything about i know it's like been two days but have people been dropping him left and right i haven't heard anything about him being dropped not yet but like you, you got to think that some of these, if he had deals in the works, there's definitely a big amount of pausing on all of those. I know that he had just signed a deal with Nike and like, there's got to be so much regret there. Yeah. I'm sure they can get out of it. So I know that the, he lost at least one shoe sale because your boy will bond stopped. He banned his son from buying Josh Jaws uh, shoes. That's hilarious. He was like, we will not be supporting that man in this house. Yeah, that's funny. Well, speaking about more losers, uh, the MVP of the NBA, another big time loser. Uh, the 76ers and a Doc Rivers led team cannot win a game seven. Yep. And they had it. They had a chance to close the door and they couldn't close the door. Um, for all the success that the Sixers had going into Game Six and Game Seven, um, it just disappeared. All that strong play went away. Um, credit to the Boston Celtics for finding a way to stop them. Uh, credit them for sort of um, finding the heat again with their shot. I know that they were missing a bunch, were not performing. And uh, credit to Jason Tatum, he put a fifty-one piece on the the Sixers in Game Seven and. If you're going to put 50 on a team in a game like that, you're probably going to take your team through to the next round. So um, some more heartbreak for the Celtics. It's kind of that quote that Embiid had a couple of years ago where um, this isn't a rivalry. They own us is, I think, what he was that saying. Was like 2008. <laughs> it's right? not a rivalry. They beat us all the time. And, uh, yeah, it's just like self-fulfilling prophecy here. Joel Embiid and the 76ers and Doc Rivers. Uh, misery loves company. So they're all together, just not advancing again. And uh, there goes my predictor for uh, my prediction for the NBA championship. So my vested interest is now gone. Uh, I will be supporting uh, Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets to to win the NBA championship because it's new for me. Like the Nuggets haven't really been anywhere close to a championship in my like teen and adult life. Uh, Jokic is playing ridiculously well. Jamal Murray is playing ridiculously well. He's Canadian, so it's easy to support that guy. Yeah, it'd be nice to see a market like that win the championship. So that's where I'm going. But I thought you might have went Jimmy Butler. 
Nah, he, I'm okay with them going out and they could get to the final and lose. That's okay. Um, that would make for great TV though. Jokic versus Butler. Like Jokic playing has played r- real well the last three years. Incredibly, the playoffs has always sort of been like a okay, you're doing okay. But this playoff, he's like been doing incredibly well. And then playoff Jimmy is who he is. So that would be great basketball, I think. Um, but yeah, to go back to the Sixers, does Doc Rivers keep his job at this point? Doc Rivers should retire. I think he needs to stop coaching. <clears throat> Honestly, hey, like how many times can you give up three one series leads? And people still think that you have this figured out. Yeah. How many times can you be able to have the opportunity to shut the door and you don't? Like, you need to stop. Like, you need to have a guy that's, like, playoff coach and, like, Doc can do the regular season. And then he's, like, the assistant. Or, like, they're co-coaches. And he's, like, I'm regular season coach. And then for the playoffs, he just leaves the team. So none of the bad energy that he brings during the playoffs is with the team. It's like, okay, I did my job. Got you to the postseason. And he's just gone. He can rest his voice. He could go watch his uh, his son play wherever, whatever team he's on every season. <laughs> like, let's just go do this. Like, man, that just it's painful to watch at this point. I'm like, I don't know how you can come back after that season after season. It would be painful to watch. What's the if, money, obviously? But oh my God, it would be painful to watch if watching the Sixers lose didn't make me so happy. Embiid's just such a crying baby. And he sits, and he, on the backs of scoring a combined total of uh, twenty six points on eight of twenty seven shooting. He talked about how he wanted the ball in the last four minutes. And he talked about how oh, me and James can't do everything. Well, he didn't do anything. You had like the worst game of the of your postseason in an elimination game, while you watched the guy who's supposed to be. He was fifth in MVP be, voting. Yeah, he's supposed to be you for Boston. You watched him take control of the game. Put it, 51 on you. It's, it's just like what he stood there and watched Kawhi take over the fucking the game in the other, like when we played them in 2019. It's just, he has, at this point, like, everything that, everything that, people were saying about Jokic when they were saying he shouldn't get the MVP. Embiid deserves what they said about Jokic way more. Just didn't he's show up. He's been that in game. the league longer. Or in a season, I don't know if he's been in the league longer. He's had more, been more prevalent in like playoffs. At least, well, maybe that's just my TV viewing. This is not really important. He commands. He he asks for more attention than Jokic does. He wants the eyes on him. He wants the spotlight. He wants the smoke. And then it all showed up. And then he disappeared. He's been on a ton of teams who should have been in and around the finals and has never come anywhere close. And a lot of times it's his fault. Yeah. And uh, so the stat came out because they're officially eliminated now. He is the first MVP, only MVP, to be that and not appeared in a conference final. Every other MVP of the league... I has thought. appeared in a conference final at some point in their career, not the same season. Jokic has? I thought that was the knock on him is that he, they've never made They've it been in a conference a final. Have they? Yeah. So with them on the team? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so like that's what I kind of like drove it, me crazy. During... I feel like it was the bubble season. I feel like the Nuggets played the Lakers. Oh, yeah, because this whole, like, the four teams that are in it right yeah. now were... Yeah, so were they in... played in the bubble, <laughs> and the Lakers beat the Nuggets, and then they won the championship. Yeah. See, we, I did it for you. 
Yeah, that's what drove me crazy about this whole, like, MVP conversation. Aside from the fact that, like, playoff success has nothing to do with MVP voting, like, that was... That's what the straws people were grasping at for Jokic to legitimize to limit yeah. legitimize not voting for Jokic and whatever. Like he, I'm not even saying he should have won, but like, no, but that's a fair point to bring up because it's a point that was brought up about him. So he should get the same criticism. Agreed. Yeah, but that's, like, that's a, a good point. Yeah. Um, I agree, Dave. I'll, uh, yeah, You're just I, ready to fight me, but I am agreeing. No, no, with, was... I'm just. It's a joke, Dave. It's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i hated i hated listen that he the fuck he broke he broke everything now I'm getting, no i'm getting these fucking whatsapp messages and like i, I sent a contact of some person I never heard of potential fraud baby um yeah i hated that he went on the post game and it was like threw all of his fucking teammates under the bus like him and james harden are notorious chokers and then he has the balls to go in the press conference and be like, "Me and James can't do everything. Like, what do you want us to do? How could you? How could that's when you gotta else... ask for his name and his employee number <laughs> and his supervisor and his supervisor's number, and then you go and you make a complaint about their performance. Oh man, George St. Pierre said it best. I'm not impressed by your performance. All right." And talk about some fights. I I did not know this happened about uh, Toronto FC and the four, the battle of the four to one derby with Montreal uh, C- CF Montreal, the French equivalent of TFC Toronto FC. It's just we we can't say Montreal FC because it's French, so it's Luke CF Montreal CF Montreal. So they scrapped. Yeah. So apparently, in that's amazing. <laughs> there was like a tweet from a Montreal fan. Uh, that I saw in the in the article directed towards TFC saying like you we told you we were coming you assured us that we'd be safe there'd be security and the second we showed up they came right at us and there's like a video of this huge fight between like 10 fans in the visitor section of the of the TFC of the BMO field BMO field and um Okay, so this this makes more sense because TFC has been on Instagram because I follow them issuing a bunch of statements about like we're fully investigating the situation that took place. We're going to use every like um, every like protocol and every regulation we have to make sure that this is going to be a safe environment for any fan. And then they talked about like that the fans were found and they're banned from every MLSC facility in perpetuity like indefinitely mm. like with like really no chance of getting back in and it's so stemming that from this fight for, that sticks for them because mlc like owns sports in toronto but um yeah for everybody else like they own the maple leafs they own the raptors they own the marley's yeah so scotia bank arena like you can go to the jays and that's it yeah and like I would wonder, like, if you're banned from these venues, is it also for, like, concerts? Like, you're not allowed to go and watch a concert there now? I would think so. That's you know. pretty brutal. Oh, and the Argos. They also... They also oh, I forgot. Sorry, Argos. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sorry. Um, go ahead. But yeah, there was also a video of a fan, like, berating a player and, like, the player having to be restrained. So, I don't know. Something vile was obviously said. And then at the end of the video the fan threw the loudspeaker that he had like a megaphone right and he like threw it on the field towards the player um yeah and so they 
I don't so I don't know anything about TFC, so I don't know the backstory of this rivalry. But apparently, it's bad enough that CF Montreal has decided to refund all the visitor tickets to the. I guess they played this weekend, or they've just they may have already just played this past weekend. By the time we're recording this, yeah, I think they did just play. They lost two nothing. Right, so they didn't allow any of the traveling fans to come to the stadium. Yeah, and it's quite often that they do make the 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 trip. Like they will drive to Montreal and support in Montreal. Um, it's been ongoing. They had some good playoff battles, 2015, 2016. Um, so like there is some history here, and like in soccer, there are many sort of like local rivalries. Quite often. So, like, uh, the example I'll give is in the Premiership. There's, like, five London-based teams. And so every time they play, like, there's history because they're all from London. Or, like, there's the Manchester Derby between United and City. Or, uh, like, a Liverpool Derby, like a Mercy, like a Merseyside uh, Derby between Everton and Liverpool because they're both based out of Liverpool. So this is the closest thing that we have here, right? So it's separated by the highway. Um, so that's what they're looking to build. And unfortunately, it spilled over into this. And yeah, like I understand it's not the first time that supporters have been banned from a build, like a, a venue, because there is the prospect of violence or unruly behavior. Like in Italy, the entire league at one point had banned fans because they were throwing flares onto the field, like hit a goalie with a flare. So um, it kind of goes with the, the hooliganism is a thing in soccer unfortunately and uh yeah like i think they're just trying to be as responsible as possible to like not have this build into something far worse so yeah, yeah that's messy and like i could go into some more stories but like yeah this is like there's ongoing history of like when people don't address this behavior early like it turns into like factions and then extreme people in these factions like take it way further than needs to and then it's like risk of life risk of severe injury um every time that they play there's going to be a fight and i just know that they don't want that especially because the mls is looking to grow its game and like they don't want that image attached to it i just kind of like had a thought it may be like wildly inaccurate but like <clears throat> how much of this could be attributed to like, I guess it's like, I know that like soccer culture is different, right? But like when Toronto was first starting, people being like this hooligan behavior that like is prevalent in, in England, right? You hear like there's podcasts, people talk about like, they're proud of this hooliganism, right? It's like a whole thing that is like part of the history and everything <clears throat> that was almost like encouraged when this was starting, right? There was that corner of the BMO field where like, if you weren't, you, if you were always throwing shit on the field at not, I guess not at people, but like you're throwing shit at people. Yeah. They're, they're, they were doing streamers <clears throat> to the opposing players when they had corner kicks and just covering the corner with streamers. Um, so yeah, they did that stuff, but like, it's right, so like how much can you like encourage this rowdy, hooliganism behavior and then be like surprised when like, yeah and so when they first down. started that definitely was a concern because some of the people were taking advantage of that situation 
And then they've done a lot of work around like promoting like what it is to be like a strong supporter versus someone that is just like misusing the opportunity to like just be an idiot. So they have worked on that for sure. Um, Yeah. Anytime that like there's fights breaking out, like that's just not something that any organization is going to condone. And so I think CF Montreal making that step was like a clear message. Like, yeah, like we're not going to let this continue. Like we're not going to give this opportunity to the, perhaps some of the more intense Montreal fans to then replicate this behavior as well. I think it's a message for everyone. So hopefully um, it stays like a good natured rivalry that's intense and there is dislike. I think that's okay. I don't think there's a problem with that. And maybe it can build to something like with the real, like the rivalry, like the Maple Leafs have with the Canadians. Like that, I think is a healthy dislike either way. We rarely hear other being like intensified interactions outside of like mad smack talking, the occasional like get in someone's face, but like not to the idea that like people are getting banned for life from venues. No, probably what happens is it just doesn't happen in the arena. Yeah. I'm sure it happens. And like to be clear, this happens at every sporting facility at some one time or another. Like I remember in the Rogers Center, <clears throat> they used to do I think back it was so called or not whatever. They used to do Tooney Tuesday in the upper bowl. And you would just be able to, like, look across the field and see, like, three, four, five fights all at the same time. Like, whenever you have drunk that's, idiots... That's why the booze is so expensive now. <laughs> whenever you have drunk idiots in an event, in a, in a confined space, dumb shit's going to happen. Well, yeah, I was just going to say that I've been to uh, numerous TFC games and some of uh, my friends, they've got seasons behind the South End net. And like Hogel will tell you, like they've got, like there's this one story he loves to tell in a shocker. Hogel's telling one story over and over again. Um, but this one is hilarious. And he's gotten a fight with other TFC fans. Like his group is fighting other TFC fans. So like it's not that it's just because it's another team. It's just when it hits your lips, you just turn into a different person. So yeah, fighting in soccer, a shocker. Uh, so I was looking at, uh, perspective, I guess there's one, uh, one team to still be figured out, but the perspective, uh, conference final participants in the NHL and I have to imagine the NHL hates the, uh, this outcome. I think in the East, sure. I think in the West, it's brilliant. Both expansion teams have a shot at the conference well, confirmed for Vegas, but if the crack can get by the stars, then the two newest teams to the league are in the conference final vying for a Stanley Cup. Yeah, but that's specific to those fan bases, right? Like, if the I think argument it's... is that, like, or the conspiracy theory is that Bettman manipulates what happens to make sure that Canadian teams don't make it far because those because it hurts American TV numbers to have. I don't. I'm looking at this and I don't see any team that's going to drive. Oh, okay. The Dallas Stars are officially in the conference finals. Oh, they, um, they, uh, they beat won. the Kraken. They just won. Um, well, that goes to what I was going to say. But anyways, I'm going to say it anyways after you're done. <clears throat> but like, there's not a a team involved that's going to drive big national TV numbers. Yeah, but his goal has always been to grow the game in the in the United States, and so the fact that these teams are perhaps not the 
the the common um, occupants of these spots, I think goes towards what his MO is for the NHL is to show that this league is viable in these uncommon locations. Like Dallas isn't necessarily known for hockey, nor would I say uh, the Florida Panthers. They have not been to the Stanley Cup since 1996. The Hurricanes are the the most recent winners, I believe, out of all of these guys, right? Because the Panthers have yeah, never won, and I think they I think they won after the Stars won. The Stars, I don't think they won since like '99. So, I think exposing the game to all these places—that's what they're hoping for. It's like what they've done with Tampa Bay, right? Like Tampa Bay looks like a place where hockey is thriving, and like I'm not saying that it is. But when you look at it on TV and you look at the stands, you look at the atmosphere that's been created, like, yeah, then that's because they've had success. So if these other places in the United States that aren't commonly known as like NHL powerhouses, then that's, I think, a boon for him. It's like when the Predators were doing well, right? Like that was also a thing where like the Predators now like have a more established foothold in um, Nashville. So I think that's, his goal like for us like that pay attention like when i say us i mean like canadians we're going to pay attention to hockey regardless even when there are teams that we support are out people are still going to watch i don't think that's the same in the states i think it's not like that there yeah but i think the way you get people to do that is by having superstars involved in these games and aside from the Devils having a couple potential superstars, right? Like none of these teams are like Matthew Kachuk is the best player. And like, he's an excellent player. He had 118 something points. He's up for the MVP, but like no one, like no one's tuning in to watch him play. He doesn't play a style that's conducive to like driving huge. Like I have to see what he's doing now. It's just, he was just wildly productive this season. Yeah. Like, they could build a narrative around he's a second generation player. Keith Kachuk also. Keith Kachuk didn't. But I mean, I'm thinking about American hockey. Like this is a narrative that they can construct. I think like having Connor McDavid there and Leon Drysidle would be like the way to get casuals interested. Be like, you have to watch what's happening because it's ridiculous. This is just a bunch of mediocre seeming teams. Who happened to be hot at the right time and meeting in the, the conference finals? Yeah, well, may, I don't know anything about the West, but I was uh, reading an article and that the Hurricanes were the second best team in the East behind Boston this year. Yeah, and like Boston because they're so historic, like no one else talked about the success of any other team. Well, even like the Maple Leafs, they were like the fourth best team in the entire league, but no one talked about it because Boston was like on such a tear. So whether that's just like a, a victim of like a historic regular season and like we just don't talk about Carolina because, again, it's not a big market. Like I'd be curious to know what is being said in Carolina about the Hurricanes. And like I'm not going to spend the time to f- figure that out. But I'd be very curious to know because like they've worked on their in-game experience. So like they have cheerleaders and I know that that's like a, like made a punchline of many jokes but they have that noise machine in there like they're doing things to sort of like generate a culture around it celebration i believe so 
But you know what I mean? Like, I think they're looking to build on things like that. And I couldn't speak to what's happening in Dallas because I don't care. But I know Vegas, like, since they've entered the league, they've been very successful. So, like, I think that's a boon for Vegas. And I think it's a boon for the NHL is that they show that expansion works. And, like, yeah, it's in Vegas. So it's, like, hard not to, I would say, honestly, like, with how many people go visit and then the idea that like sports betting is so prevalent that it becomes like something to do while you're in Vegas. All those things lends itself to be a successful, viable franchise. Um, so like, I, I agree that it like by name it's underwhelming, like the Florida Panthers, the Carolina hurricanes, and then the Dallas stars now and the Vegas golden Knights, like, Outside of the Vegas Golden Knights, the other three haven't done a whole lot in the playoffs to like have there be any sort of like history. So I I agree that the names are underwhelming, but perhaps like their performances and like we just don't hear about it because we I don't care about that stuff. So have you been hearing the <clears throat> conversation around the future of the Leafs? Uh, I haven't heard anything from like exit interviews or press conferences or anything. I just saw that Dubas said that nothing's off the table. And I'm like, well, that includes your job. Um, it sounds like he's getting extended. That's incredible. Good for him. He must, him and Shanahan must, they must, uh, have some sort of like unwritten agreement. Maybe like they're both part of the stone cutters and Dubas is a superior and Shanahan's, uh, underneath that. And he's trying to get to the same level of Dubas's in the secret society. Um, if that happens, okay. The players were speaking positively about Dubas and they want him around. Um, and then on top of that, Austin Matthews wants an extension done this summer. He doesn't want to wait until next summer. So that's uh, all positive news because there has been lots of speculation that Matthews is done here. He wants to get out. So the fact that he said that he wants an extension now whether it's it, whether it's posturing or not, he knows it's not feasible right now. At least he's playing the game. Yeah, yeah. It also just makes sense for the Leafs, like getting that done and knowing, <clears throat> like that. Whether or not he is playing here past next season influences so many of your decisions. To not do that as soon as humanly possible would be insane. Yeah, and I also I don't mind Dubis getting. Uh, like I don't really see this as his failure I can't imagine except for like I heard Kevin Bieksa talking about how they changed so much of the he said they changed so much of what they're good at to be a better opponent to the lightning that they kind of got away with some of the stuff but I, I always question how much like, I always question how much adding, like, a third-line player, how that affects, like, the play of your whole team, right? Like, when people say, oh, we have to get tougher, and they go get this fourth-line guy who's going to play eight minutes a game, but he's going to beat the shit out like, even not fighting. Like, if he's going to go run around and make a bunch of body checks when he's on the ice, well, it's eight minutes of a 60-minute hockey game. That doesn't change what happens when your first-liners are on the ice for 25 minutes, right? Like... So I don't really know what adding like Achari and the other and La- I think Lafferty was what adding those guys to the third and fourth line how why that would change 
what like Matthews and Tavares' lines are doing, but I don't know, that's what Kevin BX has said, and I assume he knows more than me. Yeah, I, I don't have anything of intelligence to add to that. <clears throat> I have no context for what that will do to a team in terms of chemistry or motivating them or anything. For me, watching the playoffs, uh, it went it was Matthews doing well in the Tampa series and then Matthews not doing well in the Florida series. And I think we're going to live and die by how consistent Matthews can be. Well, yeah, that's every team. Like if Connor, yeah, if that, McDavid, not, like that's, Dry, that's no, my point, be, right? Yeah. If McDavid and Drysaddle win a series without scoring a goal, guess what? Edmonton's not winning. They played amazing and they still didn't win. But that's beside the point. Like that's just true. Like if your top players, and then, and like a lot of this is just like timing, right? Because if you in a different like universe, yeah, they they lost Samson off too, and that yeah. That like we know the goaltending is a, a big deal as well. Um, to go back to the original question that you had posted in here, um, does the NHL hate the conference finals matchups? No, they don't. And then should they hate them? I think also no. I think that the ratings are going to be what they're going to be, but I don't think they hate it because, like I said, like Bettman's goal is to grow the game in the states, and this will be growth, and he's going to use this moving forward to continue to promote the game in the United States. And that's always been his objective. I think that his objective should be getting the biggest national TV contract he can get. And these teams being involved is not how you get it done. Yeah. Well, he like, they just entered one with TNT, right? Like, I think they're at the beginning of a new but deal. But that's like, is that a one night ESPN. a week thing? Um, I know that I, I don't know that that detail but i feel like they've just entered in one with like espn and tnt like they have like shared whatever yeah um but yeah that's uh that's the nhl so do you want to talk about who's gonna win this these uh matchups or you do not care uh the hurricane so hurricanes in the east or just all all of it yeah i'm gonna go sebastian ajo He's been playing really well. That guy seems like he's legit. Um, I'm going to go, just to be annoying, I'm going to go Panthers in the East, Vegas in the West, and then Vegas wins the Stanley Cup. And then that's going to be a great party for everybody. I'd love to be in Vegas for that. Probably have an opportunity to drink out of the Stanley Cup. Shows up to all the, the, the day bars. Shows up to all the night bars. Shows up in Cirque du Soleil. Shows up at all the shows. It's in the Bellagio Fountain. It's in the gondolas at the Venetian. It's at Caesar's Palace. It's everywhere, man. You're just like naming the places just, I've been there. Just so you'd be like, yeah. I know all the hotels and uh, yeah, Vegas. walk through a bunch of them. So cool. Yeah, maybe the Luxor will uh, also have it, and then it won't just be some woman with one of her breasts exposed out of a dress after a really tough night out. That's my lasting memory of the Luxor. That. She was not doing well. Big time wardrobe malfunction. All right. My favorite subject, Dave. Carry us, carry, carry well, on. This is not really baseball related. So uh, recently, this is just like a, a quirky story. Like recently, the Dodgers traveled to Milwaukee to play the Brewers, obviously. And Mookie Betts got himself an Airbnb because the... The hotel that the team was going to stay at, the Fister, he hardly knew her, 
Um, <laughs> he, uh, it's like, it's known to be haunted, apparently, by like, it's an attraction by it because it's haunted. <clears throat> and he was like, I don't really believe in it, but I don't want to find out if I'm wrong. So I'm going to go stay over here. And he just stayed away from the team for that series. And they were good with it? I guess. I don't know. Uh, did his performance dip or bump up because of this? I didn't, I didn't notice. I'd be curious for that. We don't have to find out. But <laughs> I, I'd really be curious to know. And like, Then this has become a thing where he just stays away from the team. Everywhere he goes on the road. Everything's haunted. I got to get an Airbnb. Maybe he's got like some sort of like. He has a second family in Milwaukee probably. I wasn't going to go there. I was just going to say, like, maybe he's got, like, he doesn't want to, he's got, like, loud poops. And he doesn't want his teammates to hear it. Maybe he doesn't poop in front of other people. Who and knows? It, and it only matters in Milwaukee? Yeah, only in Milwaukee for now. <laughs> this is the test run. I think, my, I think my theory is far more likely. Yeah. It's, it's a little sadder, too. But, all right. Good for you, Mookie. <laughs> all right. We've done it. We got to that time. You ready for these grievances? Yes, sir. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now you're going to hear about it. All right. So I, since I went uh, first today with uh, just full-on grievance as an intro to our episode, Dave, why don't you talk to us about your grievance? Um, so today was just harder than it had to be. We were We're cutting into these pipes and we're adding valves so that we can do some work later on. <clears throat> so I'm sitting here, I got my grinder, I'm cutting around the pipe, and all of a sudden the pipe just starts, like, I get to a certain, like, amount cut out, it's the, where the pipe's pretty weak now, and the pipe just starts twisting. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, how is this happening? I look over to my right, the pipe I'm cutting into, it goes, like, straight for a while, and then it makes a 90-degree turn, and then another 90 degree turn down and it has this big ass, heavy ass valve, right? An old valve. And I would assume, I would, or I did assume that all of this piping was properly secured when they put it up. So I didn't really think much of it. I didn't inspect the whole length of the pipe. I just started cutting into it. That sounds like your fault. <laughs> I guess you can make that argument. Um, <clears throat> so. That was annoying. So to fix this, like this valve is a couple hundred pounds or more, right? And then there's about six feet of pipe attached to it and a flange. It's fucking heavy. So we were going to use a chain fall to pull it back up to level. And then so I could finish cutting it and do whatever we had to do. Um, but to do that, we had an eye hook with a half inch thread. So we had to put a shot in the ceiling. A shot is like a pin. It expands in the concrete when you hit it. And then you has an internal thread that you use to put the threaded rod into the ceiling. Uh, and then, so then you, anyways, we're going to, the tool they used to make the shot expand in the concrete has gone missing. The apprentice has misplaced it. So that's also annoying. Um, so we end up just making a hanger out of three eighths, um, rod because that's all we could do. And I'm left 
lifting this thing by myself because the scrawny ass apprentice isn't going to fucking lift it. Um, and then I ended up lifting this thing like five times because I no big it. deal, big flex from the kid. <laughs> I, I've lifted it and the fucking rod he cuts too short. So he couldn't reach. And he's like, hey, it's got to go higher. It's gotta go higher. I'm like on the top of this platform ladder. So there's only so high I can go. And he's like, it's got to like, you fucking retarded. Like, <laughs> he there did it. it. There it is. Boo! <laughs> Sensor <laughs> alert. <laughs> oh, man. Days without incident reset already. This is a quick one. All right, carry on. Um. Yeah, so that was just, it was just annoying that, like, he was, it was just annoying. It, probably nobody cares, and no one even understands what the fuck I'm saying. My day was harder than it had to be because of other people, and that bothered me. Yep, that's annoying. Those guys suck to suck. Yep. All right, my grievance uh, stems from Evelyn's concert. She's in a choir, so the concert happened on Saturday. Um, but before I get to that grievance, uh, it's just uh, Dave worked so hard to not use the language that I asked him not to use. And he got through one segment, and then he just got to another one and just went completely unhinged and did it. So <laughs> so good. Um, so yeah, my, my grievance is about shitty volunteers. Um, so Evelyn's in a choir, she goes every Tuesday and then the big concert happened this weekend. Um, so Lindsay and I, we take turns splitting volunteer duties at choir. Um, we take attendance, we make sure that they're dropped off, that like a kid doesn't just like walk into the facility by themselves, like a parent's dropping them off. We track attendance and then we make sure that we recognize the parent um and make sure they're dismissed and not just like leaving kids behind and then during the performances my keys just fell out of my pocket that's that noise so apologies for that um i go backstage and i supervise the kids while they wait for their numbers to be called and so other people are now volunteering for the concert because the incentive to volunteering is 100 dollars towards the fees for the year and so they don't volunteer except for the concert. And uh, I get down there and I want to say there's 15 volunteers, like at least 15. I want to think it's between 15 and 20, but 15 is the comfortable number. Um, nobody knows how to do attendance because they've never done attendance before. So me and another person. It's pretty straightforward that you should know how to take attendance. No, no, not. And well, part of it is like logistics. It's a Google sheet. Mm. So they don't have access to that. So fine. That's not a big deal. But as the kids are arriving, I go, what group do they belong to? I don't know. Did you ask? No. There's like four groups here. Like, so we didn't let, you didn't let them congregate all together first before saying, okay, go and enjoy free time before your performance. So that's annoying. So me and someone that I do attendance with, we, we take care of it for our group. Another parent who I don't think has ever dealt with kids ever, maybe not even their own kids. I was like, so what should I do? I'm like, talk to someone who's done attendance. Is someone from your group here that does attendance? Are they here? Yeah, that person does attendance. Can you make sure that all the students for your group have done attendance? Like they've been accounted for? Because if someone's missing, we want to make sure we're not missing them. And then they go on stage without that child because that would be very upsetting for the child and their family out in the audience oh that's a good idea uh this seems very obvious to me so that's happening 
And then, like, kids without structure can often just freewheel. And so the kids are running around. Kids are taking, it's a, it's in a large church is where the performance happens. And in the basements, like, where they run all their programs. So they have a bunch of their own materials just, like, stored away in, like, the corner behind a door. These kids start pulling this stuff out. And I'm like, hey, this doesn't belong to us. You cannot use it. And then I put it in a place so that, like, you have to try to get to it. And so then I look back, and aren't there volunteers pulling this stuff out? And I go, hey, man, we didn't bring this stuff. And if it breaks, we have to replace it. And there's no money in our budget to do that. So leave it alone. We have all these coloring activities. There's books to read. Someone brought a laptop with a projector. and There's a movie on. I'm like, there are many options here. So we can do all of those. I'm like, and the kids have brought like tablets. They brought music. They brought whatever of their own. I'm like, these are the things that they can be doing. Okay, yeah, no problem. And then like, they don't put it away. And I'm like, well, you just agreed that this should happen. And then you are still letting it happen. And then it's like time to organize them. It's time to like line them up. Well, how should we line them up? They said tallest to smallest. Okay. So who's starting that? Everyone's looking around, looking around. I'm like, that's the tallest kid. They're first in line. And they'll find the next tallest child. Oh, that's it? Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Like, just unbelievable. No direction, no assertiveness, no initiative. And it drives me insane. And so... Just say the word, John. No, absolutely will not. That's what not, it is. It is not. That's, it's, it's an epidemic. It's just so many idiotic people. So I go upstairs to the coordinator. I go, hey, man, like, what's going on here? I need a time check. When are we going on? Five minutes. Okay. Five minutes, all the kids are lined up. I go, the next person that comes down those stairs are there to take the kids upstairs. And uh, so she's like, that's a good idea. They do that. All these kids are talking. All these kids are just messing around. And uh, so that's annoying already. The kids go up. They do great. Sing so nicely. It's so cute. Great. They come back down. And then, like, you can see, like, there's a collective sigh from all the volunteers. You know what they all did for the rest of the evening? They sat either with a friend and spoke with that person the entire time or they were on their phones not doing any sort of supervision i'm like these kids could be having a fight club <coughs> in this church basement and it, these people would be oblivious to it so a girl walks up and goes i need to use the bathroom i look at one of the female volunteers and I go hey you're up i'm not i i'm like this is not good i don't want this to be a thing there are so many women there. Can you please take this girl to the bathroom? Oh, you want me to take the girl to the bathroom? I'm like, yes, because I'm not going to do so. I will take the boys to the boys' bathroom. And even then, I'm going to make sure that they're in the stall and the door is firmly closed so there's no debate about what's going on there. And they're like, oh, so you want me to take her to the bathroom? I'm like, yes, now. She's going to pee her pants. Like... Why do I have to have this conversation with other adults? Where is the person telling me what to do? That's what I want to know. Why do I have my brain that's telling me that I should do these things and you have a brain that's telling you that you don't have a brain? You know why, John? 
and just I cannot it. stand just it. Say it. So that's my grievance. Shit ass volunteers. They're only for a hundred dollar kickback, and they do not give a shit about actually doing a good job, and it drives me insane. That's my grievance. That's very frustrating. Yeah. People are dumb, man. I don't know what to tell you. It, I, I hate <laughs> it. Like, like that phrase from that one meme and gift from The Office where Michael Scott's like, why are you the way that you are? Like, I say that daily because I'm encountering this level of stupidity in people. Oh, man. All right. Let's, let's get to gratitudes. Dave. What is your gratitude? Yeah, I'll let you. I'll give you your uh, seventeen minutes to suck up to your your women in your life later. Um, so for uh, Mother's Day yesterday, we got we ate out. We went to Montana's, and Alicia and I went to go pick it up. And apparently, the guy who was there just before me also named Dave. Weird coincidence. And so uh, the bartender we got the food from was kind of chatty and she's like oh yeah he almost left with your food we had to switch it da, 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 da. okay whatever pay let me pay and i'm gonna go and so we're almost home probably about five minutes from home and i get a call from the restaurant and they're like hey um so we gave you the wrong food so this is what's gonna happen uh you're gonna keep that food and we're going to remake the food that you ordered. You just got to come back and get it. I was like, okay. Good, I'm already eating this food. <laughs> so, like, this kind of got gone either way because it was very inconvenient to make our kids wait. Because we the, there's not a Montana that's, like, right around us. So it was, like, a decent, it's, like, a 15, 20-minute drive to get to Just one. the one by me? No, I, they fuck up the spinach the all the time. We went to the one at Courtney Park. Oh, it's that's about, like the exact opposite end of the city. But from here, it's a straight line one way or the other. Oh, it's my about, God. It's like nine kilometers to one and seven to the other. It's only it's, nine kilometers there? It seems not so big. far away. It's straight up straight up here, Ontario, from here. Even with all the traffic and construction no, stuff? I'll take your Ontario, but that's like... It's a straight line right there. <laughs> you just described it's a straight line up here in Ontario. There's all that construction. I don't actually take that route. Never mind. There's other streets that go north. <laughs> That's uh, good. Free food's always a win. I love. So free yeah. Food. So like it could have been a grievance, but I'm gonna choose to be gratitude because they actually ordered like good food. I've got like three racks of ribs and two pounds of wings and other like sides or whatever, and that's a win. That is a win. That's a good gratitude. All right, my gratitude is surrounded by Mother's Day because it just happened. Oh, no, the podcast just fucked up. Yeah, classic. So I'll let Alicia hear that for you. Um, But yeah, my gratitude is just that there are many mothers in my life. So uh, for Mother's Day, like I will do a drop off of flowers for like my grandma, for Lindsay's mom, my mom. Lindsay gets flowers. My sister will get flowers. And like it's a way to get the girls out of the house. So Lindsay has some alone time. So it's just nice seeing how happy they are that like it was just me and Evelyn uh, on Sunday morning. But like it's just so nice to see how happy they are when Evelyn shows up and she has flowers for them. So like that's really nice and special that like Evelyn also has that. So that's my gratitude. And then like, yeah, um, I'm just grateful that like I have this many people in my life that have obviously helped shape me to be the person that I am. 
and uh it's my mom it was my mom's birthday on thursday so like it's always like a bigger deal in my family because it's my mom's birthday and mother's day and some years it's the same day so um yeah it's just sort of like a time for me to be grateful for my own mother and then like yeah when mother's day comes around for everybody else so that's my gratitude we did it yeah dave Dave (laughs) nodded for a good four seconds there he's like he's like I'm going to say it this time. <laughs>